Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us the privilege of giving. Thank you for giving us the means to give. Thank you for providing for us. And Lord, for anyone who is in this moment without work or concerned about what the financial forecast is for them or for our world, because the global economy is in a crisis right now too. Lord, we pray your provision, your stability, your wisdom, your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, I want to turn to the preaching of the word at this time. So if you have your Bible with you, if you've got uh, an electronic device and you want to open up your uh, Bible in that fashion, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And once again, I'm going to do a little screen share with you here and endeavor to bring my PowerPoint slides to you. I'm a little in the wrong space here, so there we go. Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in a series on the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, and it's really so appropriate to everything that we're experiencing right now, because the letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus is a letter about equipping, encouraging, enabling the people of Christ to recognize what it means to be of Christ, in Christ, one body filled with one spirit, following one Lord, brought to life through one baptism, with one mission, to share that good news with everyone, to share that Holy Spirit with everyone, and one goal, an eternity together, growing in grace and glory until all have been brought to the full measure of Christ, the full stature of who he is, the full maturity in him. Lord, as we come to the study of your word today, we ask that you would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to hear from you. Help us not only to read your word, but to receive your word, to believe your word, and to understand how to apply your word in our particular situation today, that we, your people, would truly grow up and mature, wake up and re realize and reflect who you are, the extraordinary power, wisdom, love, grace that is you, and that you would be glorified through it. Amen. I want to take us through a little bit of a review of where we have been leading up to chapter four today. And uh, by the way, in this uh, period of time, I have been um, very mindful of the fact that I want to be praying for other local churches. Um, I'm praying by name for churches in our neighborhood of PCF. Um, you know, we have wonderful relationship uh, with other churches, not least of which are our sister churches. God bless uh, our sister churches today. God bless uh, PCFOC and PCF of the Valley. Thank you, Lord, for them. I pray God's blessings upon them, BC. I pray God's blessings upon 
um, Lord of the harvest. Uh, I thank you, Lord God, for cross-culture church. I thank you for churches that are near and dear to our hearts, even though they're around the PCF Manila today. And uh, Pastor Loy um, there in Tondo, God bless all the PCF churches all over. And uh, I'm praying also for churches in our neighborhood here, the Halls neighborhood of Santa Clarita, just up the street from us is the Sanctuary Church. God bless them and Pastor Marty Walker as they gather today online. God bless Pastor Doug Anderson and Crosspoint Church here in Santa Clarita. God bless Pastor Tim Clark and uh, the church on the way in Van Nuys and so many other churches of, of all denominations as well. God, may your blessings be upon the church in the Catholic Church and uh, upon uh, every church game today. Um, every church that, that raises the name of Jesus Christ, that, um, that uh, receives and believes and proclaims the word of God. May the, your blessing be upon them. Why am I saying all of this? I happened to see uh, a communication from Pastor Doug Anderson's church, Cross Point Church here in Santa Clarita, and uh, saw that their focus today is Ephesians 4 as well. I've been praying for unity in the body of Christ this week, unity among us at PCF, but unity among all of us. And that just really gratified me because I, I didn't have any idea that that's what they were studying. And, uh, and I thought, wow, that's just wonderful that the Holy Spirit aligned us in that way, that we're looking at the same chapter of the same book in the same scriptures, and that that chapter is exactly about that idea, that we are one body with one message, with one mission, with one spirit. Hallelujah. It's an affirmation to me uh, that God is true. Sorry, I think I may, we may have had a little blip there. So um, I think I clicked the wrong thing. <laughs> that may, that may be, um, give you a little bit of a, a, a pause. A pause that refreshes. I'll have a drink of coffee while I do that. So let's take a look once again at where we are at in Ephesians chapter 4. And as I said, I'd like to, to walk us back a little bit through where we've been. Ephesians chapter was... Paul's proclamation to us, all of us believers, not just the people there in Ephesus, but all of us, that every spiritual blessing has been made available to us, has been secured for us by Jesus Christ. It was a promise to people who were willing to place their faith in that, to God's holy people. Not people who were already holy, but to people that God made holy. Not to people who were already faithful, but to people that Jesus Christ made faithful. And the promise to those faithful is to be included in Christ. In other words, every inheritance that the Son has from the Father has been extended to us in Christ. And how do we know that? Because of the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father is the very phrase that Jesus uses in the book of Luke that is reiterated in the beginning of the book of Acts and fulfilled in chapter 2 of the book of Acts which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit of God in his people and the distribution of the gifts of God to his people for the purpose of his people being his people. 
brought together in one. If you take time this week to read Acts chapter 2, you'll see that that's exactly what the people were doing. They were always in prayer. They were always focused on unity. They were always focused on Jesus Christ, and they were filled and moving in the Spirit. And that's the promise of the fullness, that they would actually know, that you and I would know the hope to which he's called you. Right now is a time when a lot of people are feeling hopeless. Right now is a time when a lot of people are struggling and looking for hope. You and I don't need to struggle for hope. You and I don't have to go hunting and searching for hope. Jesus Christ has given us hope, and it's hope that doesn't disappoint. It's hope that actually builds us up and enables us to carry out the mission to which he has called us. So that's chapter one. What is that mission? God's greatest purpose for creation. We were dead in sin because of our disobedience, because of our trespasses. So the first thing necessary for us to become God's masterpiece was for us to be brought to life. Like I said, resurrection is the meaning of life. Though we were dead, Ephesians 2.5 says, God brought us to life. He gave us life in Christ. And he brought us to life not just to be isolated, but to be united. We were brought together. For Christ himself made us one people in his body, Ephesians 2.14. And that body is a body that has been built to last. Think of it this way. Jesus' body that died on the cross has been risen, has been resurrected, and now it's an indestructible body that you and I have been brought into, a body that's already died. So now you and I, even through baptism, have died with him so that it's no longer we who live, but Christ within us. And we are being built together to last as God's dwelling place. Do you remember that Jesus compared the temple to his body? Remember that he referred to the temple of God and his body as though they were the same. That's because you, you and I are a living temple of God. We are the place where God dwells. I said the church isn't the place it's the people. The irony is those people are a place. Okay, so periodically I'm getting little disconnects and I'm not sure why, but bear with us. It's just saying that periodically there seems to be disconnects here and I don't I don't know if it's something with uh, my, my internet connection seems to be good, but in any case, we'll deal with it. Uh, it's just a hiccup, um, but thank you for being patient. If the stream goes down at some point, we'll get it back up. Uh, just hang in there with us. Uh, we'll, we'll keep pressing forward. So uh, going back to where we're at, we're reviewing Ephesians chapters one, two, and three as we come to chapter four, and just talked about how we are God's masterpiece in Ephesians chapter two, which is 
the idea that, as Ephesians 2.10 says, we are doing the works which Jesus Christ himself prepared for us to do in advance. In fact, as Paul presses on in his message and moves the letter into what we now know as chapter 3, he talks about how though we didn't know these things, because after all, we were dead in sin, so how could we know? And even when we were resurrected, to borrow from another letter of Paul's, we only see in part and we only know in part. We see things now through a glass darkly, like in a dim mirror. But God, God has seen it all from the beginning. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talked about how what God is unveiling now, which is, by the way, the biblical notion of revelation. It is an unveiling. It is a revealing. It is the curtain going up. I remember as a kid uh, feeling so excited when I would go to the old Art Deco movie theater, the Fremont movie theater in San Luis Obispo, which still had an old-fashioned curtain, huge, heavy curtain that would rise up. I'd get so excited when that curtain would come up because I knew the movie was about to start. That's Ephesians 3. The curtain is coming up on what God has revealed, but it's something that he had prepared long in advance. This is what the scripture means in part, by the way, when it says that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the founding of the world. In other words, before God even made us, before God made anything, he had already determined to die for us and to resurrect us through the resurrection of his son. That's God's manifest mystery. In Ephesians, Paul is penning a revelation of God's eternal plan and purpose and talking about how that is now known to us. It's not a secret anymore. God's messianic ministry is for the church to recognize this truth and to receive, receive, perceive, and receive just how completely and fully God enables us to live that truth out. And then God's manifold majesty is that God actually empowers us to do it. So God shows us the plan, God enlists us in the plan, and then God equips us to do it. Will you say those three things? God shows us, God enlists us, and God equips us. This is how uh, Paul puts it in the inspired scriptures of Ephesians 3. God's manifest mystery has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit. God's messianic ministry, that is the ministry that comes by being anointed by the Holy Spirit that was on the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Messiah means anointed. Is also the same ministry that is extended to us. Jesus said, now you'll be my witnesses. The same works that I do, you will do. How will we do them? The same way he did, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that you and I would be strengthened in our inner being through his spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ. So that God's manifold majesty, the many diverse ways in which God's glorious majesty is revealed through you and through me, is glory to God, his ministry work being carried out in our world and glory rising to him who is able to accomplish infinitely more than what we could even ask, hope, or think. So today we come to Ephesians chapter 4, the full measure of Christ. Here, Paul talks about how 
there is an essential recognition of unity in the call. We are to walk together in Christ. And that means to walk in a way that reflects Christ, a manner worthy of him. Jesus desires that we would be one. In John chapter 17, when Jesus is preparing to go to the cross and he's sharing his final meal with his apostles, he's sharing the cup of the new covenant and the bread of his body. He prays what's called the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. And his prayer is this, Father, make them one, even as you and I are one. In other words, make the believers, my followers, one, even as you and I are one. I want to pause for just a moment and say there's something else that I want to start doing in It's our practice at PCF to partake of communion once a month, the first Sunday of the month. Next Sunday is March 29th. It's actually the last Sunday of the month. But I'm calling us to begin next Sunday partaking in communion every Sunday. And yet we're not going to be physically in the same building. So I'm asking you to make provision and preparation even now to take communion in your home. Some people might ask, is it right to take communion in your home? It's not only right. It's worthy and good. Communion should never be participated in in a way in which we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ because the whole point of coming to the Lord's table, of partaking of the host, the, the mass of Christ, uh, the Eucharist, is to be united in Christ. But in this season when we are required by pragmatics, by wisdom and by law, to be um, in our homes, we can still take communion together as families. Even if you're someone who lives alone, you can still take communion in your home. But by doing it together at the same time through this streaming service, there will be a physical touch point for each one of us. You'll provide your own bread or cracker. You can go out and buy matzah. You can uh, get uh, just a, a little piece of a regular loaf of bread. You can use a rich cracker if you want or whatever, a trisket, whatever. Have some kind of bread good and have a bit of juice uh, or wine that you want to partake of and have that prepared. Will you do that? Turn to the person next to you and say, next week we'll have communion supplies ready to go. Next week we have communion supplies ready to go. I know that, that it's tough to get to the market right now and it's tough to find things. Hopefully you have something in your home. Um, if you don't, hopefully you have opportunity to wisely and safely go out and get something or ask someone maybe to help you with that. Or if you don't have a standard thing, I'll tell you, you know, use a Pop-Tart and a Capri Sun. I, just have something you can drink and something you can eat. The Lord will be honored as you submit that to him. But I don't want to be irreverent about it at all, not in the least. I want to encourage you that whatever it is that you uh, have set aside as your elements. Pray over them in advance, but partake of them together at the same time. And we'll do that as part of our service next week. Okay? I didn't hear everybody. Okay? Okay. <laughs> I couldn't hear all of you anyway, but I like to do that every now and then just to remind you that uh, you're awake. Hopefully you are. If anybody's out there sleeping, wake up now. We're going to go back to our teaching. So, Ephesians chapter 4, 
there is a unity in Christ to which we are called. And we are called in that unity. And that unity also does call us to a certain kind of distinction. The distinction is to recognize the futility of the crowd, the worldly way. Maybe that's particularly evident to us right now. I will say this, and this is not to speak against anybody or to put anybody down, not at all. But it's just a reality that the people I know who are responding in this present moment with faith, not fear, with courage and wisdom, not cavalier, not acting as though, oh, this isn't a big deal and there's no problem, but also not chaotic, not running around like chickens with our heads cut off, but instead proceeding with wisdom and with peace are people who have a strong faith and have a close walk with Jesus. And the people in the world who don't have that connection with Christ, I really feel great empathy and sympathy for them right now because there's a lot of people who are genuinely panicked. Friends, my brothers and sisters, be a voice of encouragement and peace to people, but don't, don't just offer encouragement and peace generically because generic encouragement and peace is just sort of whistling past the graveyard. Offer it in Christ because it's only in Christ that there really is peace. It's only in Christ that there really is security. The promise of Jesus Christ is not that there won't be problems, there won't be trouble. The promise of Jesus Christ is in the world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The way of the world is futile and fruitless. Don't walk in the futility of a darkened mind. Walk instead in the unity of the spirit so that you might grow up into the maturity of Christ laying aside the old self and putting on the new self. There is unity of those called to Christ that recognizes the futility of the crowd and presses into the maturity in Christ. Let's take these one by one as we walk together through Ephesians chapter four. Paul talks about how unity in the spirit is something that preserves not only our connection, but also proliferates peace and binds us together in it. The first 16 chapters, or excuse me, first 16 verses or so of this chapter reiterate the oneness that we have in Jesus Christ. By the way, if somebody is wondering, uh, you know, can I, uh, I, I, I'm not able to grab all of these notes as quickly as I would like to. Uh, I'm going to attempt to uh, upload a PDF of today's teaching slides to our website. And once again, if you um, go to our website, uh, you can um, not only download the uh, bulletin for each week, and I will continue to produce those. We will have a bulletin for each week, which will have the teaching um, outline in it. We already do. I'm going to show you right now how you can get to that. Um, but I will also uh, endeavor to put these teaching slides up so that you can come back and you can download them and uh, have them for your own reference if you like, and maybe that's a useful tool. So um, once again, let me just uh, very quickly uh, attempt to uh, share with you, well, where can we find that on the website? 
So here we are on the home page. And there, you can just click right here on events. Every week, our Sunday service is one of the events. In fact, it'll be the first one on there. Uh, by the way, also, there's online Sunday school. So for families who have kids ages 2 to 12, you can, uh, you can participate with that and uh, get great resources for your kids there. And Pastor Rochelle is uploading some wonderful videos. Um, but as you come down to events, you'll always see the weekly Sunday service message here. You can click on that. So click on that or just click on events. And then right here, you can see you can click on the bulletin to download. And uh, you have a, a PDF of it here. And you can just use your, your browser or your computer to download that. Um, I will also, uh, as I said, include the teaching slides here. So that's how to find those. And uh, I encourage you to utilize those resources uh, as you are uh, led and uh, as, you, uh, as you desire. So there's a oneness in the spirit that we experience by walking in the spirit, by walking in the ways of, uh, of the Lord. I'd like to um, ask you to follow along with me if you have your scripture open, and we're going to take a look at these verses in detail. By the way, this is one of the prison epistles. That's uh, the terminology for the letters of Paul in the New Testament, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that he wrote while he was in jail. Maybe you feel like you can relate. I say that with a smile. I hope you can hear it in my voice. We're not in jail right now. In fact, we're not confined to our homes or even under, uh, strictly speaking, a literal quarantine. But we are uh, under an order that reminds us that we are safer at home right now. And while I hope you're doing things like taking opportunity to enjoy uh, your patio or your backyard or um, to take a walk uh, uh, around your uh, neighborhood, if you can do that uh, safely and wisely, um, enjoy the, the beauty of God's creation. It is true that you may be feeling a little bit homebound, a little cabin fever. Um, families may be even feeling a little bit uh, squashed and on each other's nerves. Well, Paul's writing in prison, and he's full of joy. He's full of hope. He's full of purpose. He sees and recognizes that the moment that he is in and the circumstance that he is in does not escape God's attention, is not outside of God's plan. And he recognizes that there is something beautiful and powerful being released, even in the midst of the darkness of his situation. And believe me, to be a prisoner in the first century of the Roman Empire was no pleasant thing. You're talking about a situation in which, uh, talk about communicable disease. To be a prisoner in one of those jails or prisons like Paul had to serve in was to be susceptible to all kinds of viral diseases and, and uh, skin diseases and so forth. To be subject to uh, the, uh, the brutality of, uh, of jailers um, and to have your life literally in question. And yet, Paul sees it as part of his mission. May you and I recognize this present hardship as part of our mission of harvest. So Paul says, I'm a prisoner, and I'm begging you who are out there walking in the world to lead a life worthy of your calling, the calling from God. Here's what it looks like to walk humbly in unity with Christ and therefore in unity with his people. It means being humble, gentle, 
patient with each other, giving allowance for each other's faults, making every effort to keep united in the spirit. Will you read this, this verse on your screen that's in that gold bold there? Let's read it together. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Boy, that's a word for us right now. And the reality is the effort we're making is not to make that real. God has already made it real. The effort we're making is to walk individually ourselves in alignment with that truth. Because the truth is there's one body, one spirit, just as we've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Hallelujah. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So let me pause to say this. Even though there is so much unity in Christ, there's also this, this magnificent manifold majesty of diversity. We all have one calling in one body, but we each have different unique special gifts to serve that calling because of the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, and here Paul is quoting from Psalm 68, 18, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Boy, Paul could really relate with this idea that when Jesus resurrected and rose to the Father, he was bringing captives into freedom and giving gifts. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world, that is, to the lowest parts of the earth. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. This is returning to one of these constant themes of Paul, of the New Testament scriptures, the idea of the fullness of Christ. There is also a phrase that is often used, the fullness of time. The fullness of Christ in the fullness of time. The notion is something is transpiring progressively in God's plan. And just like a pitcher being filled up, maybe you're using water pitchers right now. Drink a lot of water. It's good for you. We're using our Brita filter like never before. That's not meant to be a shout out to Brita, but we're glad we have it. And, you know, you have to fill it up in order to use it. And there's a continual pouring out as well. The fullness of Christ fills us up with his spirit. We pour that spirit out in everything that we are, how we live and what we do in this world, recognizing that there's a constant infilling that comes our way. But there's also this idea that as the, as the outworking of God's plan is pouring into the world, it's filling up to an appointed time. And that's part of what Paul is talking about here. The fullness of Christ in the fullness of time that ultimately fulfills all of God's purpose for all of creation. So here Paul talks about in verse 11 how Jesus Christ has established various different roles and offices in the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. And these leaders have responsibility to equip God's people to do their work, which is his work, the work which he prepared in advance for us to do, Ephesians 2.10, and to build up the church, the bodybuilding that we talked about last week. This all continues until we come to such unity in our faith and such knowledge of God's Son that we will really be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full measure of Christ, the complete standard of Christ. 
then we won't be like immature children. We won't be tossed about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced by when people try and trick us with lies, even if those lies are very clever and sound like the truth, even if they appeal to our emotions or the practicality of our flesh. We'll be living not by the sight of our flesh, but by the reality of the Spirit. And so we speak the truth in love, growing more and more like Christ, who is the head of this body. And he's the one who fits the whole body together perfectly so that each part does its own special work and helps all the other parts to grow healthy and full of love. This is in contrast to the way that the world operates, which is callous and careless and carnal. That is, it serves the appetites of the flesh. These are futile ways. And if you and I walk in them, we can't possibly experience the unity of the Lord. We can't possibly fulfill the community of the Lord. We can't possibly realize the infusion of all the power and the hope that God wants to flow into our world through us. So Paul speaks very boldly here. And as one of those pastor preachers that he has placed in the body, I speak boldly to you now, PCF. And with the Lord's authority, I say, live no longer as the worldly do. That's what he means here by Gentiles. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds. They've hardened their hearts against him. They don't have any sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. This isn't to talk about, oh, what terrible people are they? Because this is us. This is the way we all were. But what Paul is saying is, don't be that way anymore. Don't allow yourself to fall back into those patterns. Because that isn't what you and I have learned about Christ. That's not Jesus. If we're going to do what Jesus would do, we have to walk as Jesus walked. And Jesus never walked in any of those ways. That's the old self. It has died. Lay it aside and be renewed in the new self. Because it's only by being a new creation in Christ that we will come to the full measure of maturity in Christ. So Paul continues, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, then live it out. Throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. When he says they're corrupted, the terminology is, sick to death, dying dead. That's something that sadly, starkly, is very apparent to us right now, that the virus that can spread in the world is something that can come into your body and sicken you to such a degree that it kills you. That's true, even more true in the spirit. We talked about this last week. The reality is the spiritual virus of sin is communicable. And if you and I are walking in the world, that is the worldly way. We are fellowshipping in that way. Do you know what Jesus Christ calls us to? He calls us to social distancing. Put space between you and the worldly way because you cannot avoid being infected by the ways of the world, if you're going to walk in the ways of the flesh. 
And when you do that, you receive the disease of death. But when you walk in the way of the Spirit, that also is infectious. In the Old Testament temple, the holy items communicated holiness. When things were brought to the altar and placed on the altar, they were made holy by the holiness of the altar. But it wasn't the altar that was holy. The altar was made holy by God. You and I are the temple. You and I are the implements of the temple. You and I are made a holy people by God. And it is that holiness that you and I are to walk in. So instead of the worldly ways, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. By the way, if you're not telling your neighbors about Jesus, you're not telling them the whole truth about creation. We are all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Once again, he's quoting the Psalms. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Boy, that might be a good word for us right now, for families and roommates living together in one space and not having much exit from it. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. We get on each other's nerves and sometimes we lose patience. I do. You do. But say, I'm sorry. Say, please forgive me. Say, I love you. Show love and don't let anger take hold because anger gives a foothold to the devil. Paul says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. Can you imagine a more blatant and obvious statement? But apparently it needs to be said. And I want to say to you, friend, if you're stealing, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. By the way, the scripture says that if you and I don't give an offering to God, we're stealing from God what he deserves. Quit stealing. Give generously. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's already marked you. He's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. On the day of Passover, it was the blood of the lamb on the home that showed the angel of death that, they, that he was to pass over. In the day of the Lord, it's the blood of Christ on you and the spirit of Christ on you that will allow death to pass over and life to come in. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slanders, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Hallelujah. We're coming to the conclusion of the message and the conclusion of our service, but I want to say something. This letter is written to people who believe in Jesus Christ. But there might be someone on the stream right now and you're, you're not sure that you belong to Jesus. Or maybe you know that you've never given your heart to him. You've never given your life to him. And the message of this letter is extended to you too. And it's saying this. Come in to the body of life. Come out of the way of the world that is passing away. Heaven and earth will pass away. And a new heaven and a new earth will replace them. Whenever that time comes, whether it's tomorrow or a million years from now, 
the reality is everyone that God has created will face it. And every single one of us will face the Lord someday. And it's not a day so very far off. Today is the day to give your heart to the Lord and allow the Spirit of the Lord to come into you, to allow the Spirit of the Lord to fill you with life, to place you within the body, to give you an understanding of who you are, what you're for. If you've sinned this week, so have I. It's hard not to. And yet, we confess our sin. We don't make a habit of it. If it is a habit, we ask God to break that habit. And we know that if we, for, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to put us into the body of Christ in such a way that we have the assurance of our faith and the confidence of our salvation. So I want to recap for you today's message as we come to the conclusion of our time together. We have studied together today in Ephesians chapter 4, the full measure of Christ, and seen how the unity of our calling is only fulfilled as we walk in the unity of the Spirit and live a worthy life that rejects the futility of the worldly way, even though that is the way of the world around us, a great crowd, and yet we take the narrow path of maturity in Christ, laying aside the old and putting on the new. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize that our ways are not your ways, the ways that come naturally to us in the flesh. We recognize that we falter, we get angry, we get impatient, we speak unrighteously. Maybe there are times when we haven't uh, been as generous as we should, maybe times when we've taken what we shouldn't have. Um, thoughts that we've given place to, actions uh, that we've given place to, forgive us. Thank you for your tender mercies renewed every day. Hallelujah. In fact, today, Lord, we, your people, repent not only for ourselves, although we do do that, we repent, each one of us individually, but we also repent for our land. You said in Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, that when disaster comes upon the land, if your people who are called by your name would turn to you and repent, confessing and repenting, you would hear our prayers and you would come and heal our land. Yes. Lord, we repent. We repent for the futility of the crowd and the worldly way. Even as you said on the cross, Lord Jesus Christ, so we say today, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive us each one individually and forgive our world. Bring healing in the land. Halt this plague, Lord, and release revival in the land. But inasmuch as you have allowed what you have allowed, Lord, we pray that you would enable this time to awaken all of us, those who know you, to walk worthily in you and of you, and those who don't know you, 
to be called to you and let us be the ones that make the call. But only as your spirit gives voice to us, Lord, because it's only in your spirit and by your spirit, only in the name of Christ and by the name of Christ that we can do anything. But in Christ, we can do everything through Christ who, who strengthens us. And Lord, for that one who's uncertain of their place in you today, I pray that as they ask for forgiveness, they would receive the fullness of your spirit and the assurance of forgiveness. And for anyone who says today, Lord Jesus Christ, I want to give my life to you, that they would feel the grip of your hand upon them. They would feel even now the fullness of your Holy Spirit in them and the assurance of eternal salvation and of an eternal purpose and that they would find places to connect. Enable each and all of us, Lord, to remain deeply connected as the body of Christ in this challenging time that is nevertheless also a season of holy harvest. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad to have spent this time with you. And I pray that the week ahead, no matter what it holds, will be one in which you feel and you see the unity of Christ. You walk in the fullness of the Spirit, and you experience the heavenly reward of God's love. We will uh, be in touch. Stay, uh, stay up with us on our website, uh, on our Facebook page, on Instagram and YouTube. Um, will you do this too? Reach out to people in the congregation. Send texts. Make a call. Uh, send a note. Write an email. I know many of you are doing that. Maybe all of you are doing that, but I want to encourage all of us to do that. Choose people from the from the body that maybe you didn't get to connect with last week and reach out to them this week. Let's make sure that we are staying close together. If you have needs, let us know. You can make your prayer request known on our website. You can text me. You can call. You can email. Uh, reach out to your, your leaders uh, of the various different uh, departments and groups of the church. And um, let's stay in touch. Uh, I hope many of you will be on the Zoom call on Wednesday. We'll be praying together tonight at 7 p.m., part of our COVID-1900 Hours Prayer Initiative. And we'll be right back here next Sunday morning, uh, God willing and by God's grace. Until then, may the grace and peace of God be with you now and always in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is King of kings, Lord of lords, and crowned over all. Amen.